0: Hi, welcome to Brick by Brick with Drew and Henry, the William & Mary Undergraduate Admission Podcast.
1: podcast will cover topics ranging from resumes to financial aid and everything in between. Throughout this season, we will be interviewing higher education professionals from across William & Mary to give you the best advice on how to traverse the maze of college admissions. So a little bit about me. My name is Henry Millar. I am a senior here at William & Mary. I am studying computer science on the pre-law track. I am from Fredericksburg, Virginia, and my fun fact is that I have been to Chipotle Mexican Grill 100 days in a row.
0: Oh my God, that's insane. (laughs) Hi, I'm Drew Kittredge. I'm from Alexandria, Virginia. I'm a biology major on the pre-med track, Um, and one of my fun facts is that I'm a twin. Oh, very cool. Very cool. I did not know that. So today's podcast episode entitled Building Your Path is all about finding the right fit college. Today, we are joined by William Mary's Associate Vice President for Enrollment and Dean of Admission, Tim Wolf. Thank you for joining us today, Tim. Thank you for having me here today.
1: Okay, so we're going to just open up with a game, a classic one, two truths and a lie. So are you ready? I am ready. Awesome. Okay, so round one, the truth. As I'm saying it, I'm realizing I just almost gave it away, so I'm going <laughs> to switch it up. Okay, the location of a college doesn't play a significant role in finding the right fit. That is number one. Number two, the reputation of a college is the most important factor in determining the right fit. Or number three, researching and visiting multiple colleges is crucial to finding the right fit. Which one is the lie?
2: I think I will go with number two there as ding, the lie. Ding, ding, ding.
1: That, ding.
0: that is You're correct. Right. That's crazy. Okay, we're going to go round two. All right. Two truths and a lie. College visits are only necessary for students who have already been accepted to a particular college Um, College tours provide an opportunity to interact with the current students and faculty, gaining valuable insights and perspectives. Um, Visiting college campuses allow prospective students to get a firsthand feel for the campus atmosphere and environment.
2: I'm going to go with the first one as a lie because college visits can be valuable throughout the process.
0: Ding, ding,
1: ding. Uh, right again. Two for two. Okay. On to the last round. Okay. Let's see if you can get a hundred percent accuracy. So number one, grades and academic performance play a significant role in the college admissions process. Number two, extracurricular activities and involvement can positively impact a student's college application or number three, College admission decisions are solely based on standardized test scores and have no consideration for personal essays or letters of recommendation.
2: I think the third one is the lie there. Ding, ding, ding. ding. ding.
1: Three for three. I think that last one maybe was a little bit of a lob, but it's okay. (laughs) We'll we'll take it in stride. So we're just going to jump right in. So today's episode is all about finding the right fit, a really important aspect of college admissions. So when thinking about college admissions, let's talk about the size of the school. So Dean Wolf, what do you think about college and finding the right fit?
2: Well, one of the first things to actually think about is often size is relative. And it's something that I've always found fascinating about us here at William & Mary is that every year there will be students that on their college application list, we are the largest university on their list. And for other students, we will be the smallest place on their list. So that's something to remember is that size doesn't always mean the same for everyone. Um, Ultimately, I, I think some of the big things to think about when you're considering size of the university is how will that impact your experience and to think a little bit more about how are you going to actually be involved? How are you actually going to be involved at the academic level and the student life level? On the one hand, a university could have 500 different majors, but if 485 of those are ones that you have zero interest in, that isn't going to make a a big difference in in your experience. Uh, Same thing in terms of student life is trying to find Mind, what are those specific areas that you're most interested in being involved in and how easy is it going to jump in and, and make that transition?
0: Yeah, so how do you think students should gauge the outside environment of school well i think that's a good point actually drew because a lot of times
2: students will immediately associate the surrounding city or town as defining the student life experience and the actual reality in many cases is while that's part of your experience it's a small part of the experience and i think an important question students should be asking will be how does student life take place is it on campus, are the activities, the events on campus, uh, or is it something where all of the student life is you disperse into the city? There's not necessarily a right or a wrong there. It's a matter of deciding how do you envision your college experience and how do you want it to, to be involved? I, I will say, uh, I, in my experience, in addition to working in college admission, I actually had a chance to spend a few years on, as a high school college counselor, and it always fascinated me with students who would come into my office with their list of schools and they would say, I really want to go to a city. I really want to be in a city. I really want to be in a city. Then they would take their college visits. They would show up. They would start taking the tour and see what a specific campus was and say, oh gosh, I didn't actually realize that's what it meant to go to a school in a city. Right. Again, there's no right or wrong for everyone, but it's important to understand what it really means in each different location.
0: Yeah. So in my college experience, my counselor started breaking down what a college would be like into three different categories, suburban, urban, and rural. Um, there are a ton of schools that actually don't fit into these categories. How do you think students should navigate the in-between
2: well, I think that's a fantastic point because what you've touched on is our natural tendency to oversimplify a process. Right, right. And what happens there is students see those three categories. They're often the ones that are used in guidebooks of Urban, suburban, or rural. And right. there's no ambiguity there. There's no overlap. And, and the reality is, many places might actually fall in the middle of that. Uh, you can go to a place in a city and it can be two different experiences. Um, I had a chance to recently go through this as a, as a parent, as my oldest daughter is in college now. And I remember um, going around on the college visits and uh, one place or, or one city in particular that she was interested in, And I said, hey, we're going to visit two different schools that both technically are in this city, you're going to see they have vastly different campus experiences or what that campus feels like. Again, not judging one or the other is better, but it's important to, to recognize what those differences mean. So I, I think when you're considering what does it mean to be an urban environment, what does it mean to be a suburban or to rural, is to really dive into that a little bit more. What's within walking distance of campus? Um, what's within? And easy access to campus. How expensive are things to, to take advantage of? That's a big part too. You can have something that's maybe only 10 or 15 minutes away, but are you going to have the time and money to be taking advantage of that? So I, I think really being, th- being able to think of it, especially on a daily life approach of what those resources and opportunities are going to, to mean to you.
1: No, that's a great point about actually what you would be able to do on a daily basis. And one thing that um, my sister, of all people, actually recommended to me was look at the restaurants near me mm-hmm. in the college town and see kind of what you could really be doing on a very simple social level, uh, because that is a pretty big part of your college experience. And if I mean, if they're is a really good fit for you, then that's awesome. But if not, then that's definitely something to take into consideration. So in talking about, um, you know, geographical uh, diversity of colleges, uh, let's talk about financials. Uh, So I think this is a really good segue as I think one aspect of financial fit is also the travel expense for a lot of schools. Um, so would you like to talk about that, Dean Wolf?
2: Yeah, well, well, in general, I think, of course, financial fit is an important part of this process. And just as you're thinking through uh, different types of universities, you're thinking about how um, you know, how competitive an admission process might be as, you, as you're putting your list of, of colleges together, it's important to think about financial fit. And those are discussions that I hope families will have early on in the process. Uh, it's important for parents parents, and students to talk about that um, together, and it is perfectly fine to apply to colleges where you don't know for sure if it's going to be a uh, affordable option, but it's important important to make sure that you do have some options on your list that right out of the gate you're comfortable with. The reality is a lot of times, um, unfortunately, students will eliminate a school from their list because they just look at the sticker price and they assume or they look at a characteristic like it's a private university or I'm an out-of-state student in a public university and they assume it's not going to be a financial fit only to miss the opportunity to realize that universities are the single largest sources of financial aid. And what we're trying to do is provide financial aid to, to support students and, and make it affordable option. In in terms of costs, I, I think you mentioned the, the travel costs, and that is something important to, to think about. Also, the cost of living in the area. That's another one when you talk about in different environments of really understanding what is the cost of living in that specific geographic uh, area. Area. I will say, uh, in terms of actual need-based financial aid packages, which at a place like William and Mary and most of our kind of you know top national peers, overwhelmingly our financial tends to be need-based financial aid. Um, cost of travel is incorporated into the personal expenses. So when our financial aid awards, financial aid um, offers, that includes recognizing there is going to be some personal expenses there. But I do think to your point, those little additional expenses are ones that you need to be thinking about of what that total cost of attendance is.
0: Yeah. Thank you for mentioning that. I feel like that wasn't expressed during my college admission process. Um, Speaking of that, it's a frequent practice for students to gauge how likely it is they will be admitted to a university. I remember during my process, my counselor helped me break up schools into reach, target, and safety. How do you think students should gauge the academic rigor of a university in thinking about college admissions?
2: Yeah, well, that's, you, you hit on an important point there because you, you, the word the words you first used were the academic component, but yeah. what actually you were referring to there, right, was admission selectivity. Right. Uh, and, you know, there certainly at times may be some overlap there, but those two things are actually not synonymous. And, and that's the, when you ultimately think of you as a student and finding the right fit for you, uh, unfortunately, I think people too often assume that that by nature, the more selective an institution is or the harder an institution is to be admitted to, that that automatically means it's a better fit for you. And that is not at all the, the case. So I think it's important when you're considering the, the academic fit of finding you know, a few different factors. One, are they going to have the types of academic programs that I'm interested? In some cases, that may be really diving into specifics in terms of majors, but often it's not. Often for most students, you will find that there are multiple majors that will suit your needs and, and suit your aspirations. But finding, is this going to be the type of Curriculum, the type of questions, the, the type of atmosphere that I'm going to grow as a, a student within. Um, I think you need to, to look at from academics what type of support am I going to have? Uh, I can't stress enough the importance of having mentors, it, having advisors, and are you going to have access to uh, faculty who are going to push you and support you? Those things go hand in hand and make for the best experiences. Are you going to have um, advisors and staff to, to help? You um, are it, the student environment. Is it a community where the students are largely working together, are going to be supportive of each other and, and help each other in that, that academic experience? And then the, the final thing too, I, and I think this is one that is is overlooked uh, sometimes. Is so often much of your academic experience is based on the students around you. So ask some of those questions or get a sense of who are the students that are going to be around you. Are they? Do they have the same level? of academic aspiration and inspiration that, that you do um do they bring different experiences and perspectives are they curious um are they going to again push and support you i think those are, are the two goals uh hand in hand
1: thank you for that tim When speaking of a major and programs, you know, one thing that came to mind was that a significant amount of schools require that their students apply into a major when they apply out of high school. How do you think a high school senior might best gauge the fit of an academic program without actually being in a collegiate environment as to make that big decision?
2: It's a great question, and going back to one that, that Drew referenced earlier when you were talking about the, the location of a school, that's right. another one where I think all too often it's oversimplified, and the message that is hammered home to high school students is that somehow they're expected to know exactly what they want to major in or they're going to major in, exactly what they want to do, and that they're supposed to know this coming out of high school. That That's uh, you preposterous in, in yeah. many ways, and, and, and <laughs> I think many of of us will spend a fair amount of time trying to, you know, find what is it? What is the path you you want to follow? And and the reality is most high school students have been very limited in what types of academic Programs, courses they've been able to take. That makes sense. The fundamental purpose of high school is laying that academic foundation. So as a student, you're not likely ever to have had coursework in anthropology. You're likely not to. You might have taken language coursework, but you might not have done linguistics. Uh, you might not have had a chance to really fully dive into uh, environmental science or some, some other areas. So uh, I hope that students will remember one of the great joys and benefits of college is the opportunity to explore new things. And um, I I think going into college with ideas of what you're interested in and having focus, absolutely. But also it's important to go in with an open mind and and being willing to look at and explore new areas. Back to your your original point, Henry, I I think you asked a question of where when students are applying to colleges and if they're applying to specific major, this is one that's very important because it varies from school to school. And there are certain majors, certain programs, um, a couple that come to mind frequently are, for example, um, uh, specific engineering programs, nursing. There are some programs like that where, yes, the student architecture is another one where they, if they're, if they're, if they want to do that at the undergraduate level at that school, they will probably have to apply specifically to that school. Um, many other places, like William & Mary in general and many of our peers, um, you are not applying to a specific major. You are applying to the school in general. You uh, you will know, or you might share information about what you're interested in, so we can help provide more information um, to assist you with that. But often, in most places, there's an opportunity for students to apply just in general, or that may be the only thing that's allowed.
1: So, let's talk for a brief moment about postgraduate outcomes. And I'd like to tell a little story about myself. So when I came to William & Mary, I was thinking I was going to be a software engineer after graduation. I would naturally come to be a computer science major, and last summer I was able to get an internship as a software engineer at a financial tech firm. So I really enjoyed that experience as it frankly was very eye-opening and revealed to me that this was not going to be the path for me. So I view that experience so fondly as it allowed me the opportunity so early on in my undergraduate experience to be able to make due changes and explore other paths that I think honestly just might be a better fit for me. Um, And I had so much support from a lot of the like career centers and support offices on our campus. And so I know it may be jumping the gun just a little bit, but looking at college from the view of a high schooler, how might someone in that position accurately gauge the types of support that they could expect from college career centers, you know, alumni and more of these types of resources?
2: I, I think one of the things you can can do um, in an easy way when you're visiting tours, when you're exploring a, a university, is to um, listen to what they say about their career services, opportunities or their career center, and, and the career staff. Do they have a dedicated full-time professional staff? You can, I think, at most places get a sense of how important is this to the, the university. Um, get a sense of the, the types of resources that are offered to the those um, uh, students Uh, I I think when you discover when you talk to professionals in the career services field, you will hear from them saying, we want students to engage with us right away. Uh, that doesn't mean they're necessarily working with you to say, here's what your job is going to be four years um, down the line, but they want you to start asking questions about what you what you like. Uh, they want to start asking questions about potential internships or help you start to see some paths forward. I love the fact uh, that you shared a story of doing an internship And the outcome of that internship was you decided this is not a path I want to follow. And that happens regularly, and that is a success. That is one of the purposes of an internship is to get a foot in the door and to get a sense of, is this something I'm interested in? And the answer might be no, or it might provide a little bit more clarity and say, actually, now that I know about this, I had no idea this other path existed, and I want to pursue that a little bit. So I, I think an important part of what university career centers will do is assist students with both finding internships, but also the value and the, the purpose behind them. Um, another thing to, to remember, at a place like William & Mary, um, advice and support for finding career paths or finding the, the next step after William & Mary is not just limited to the career um, services, but it's also going to take place with, again, those mentorships you, you find, um, especially with some of the faculty who serve as your advisors. Um, when you consider a place like William & Mary, there's no doubt that a large number of our students are going to ultimately go on to some sort of graduate or professional school, that the undergraduate education provides a, a clear foundation and prepares them for those paths. But for a lot of our students, just considering the, the, the quality, the academic strengths they possess, their goals and aspirations, a lot of times they're going to also be looking at graduate and professional school. So I think that's another important um, point to consider is how strong is that preparation? How does that work? Who's there to support you in those goals and aspirations too?
0: Yeah. And that is one thing that is so great about Way Mary is that they will continue to work with you after graduation.
2: Yeah, that's a fantastic point, and, and that certainly is the case here at William & Mary. By no means, and I realize that the focus of this podcast is broader and um, um, more than just William Mary. We do right. not ha- are not the only ones with that. I think we do a great job with that. Right. But that is an important part of getting a sense of you know, how strong is the overall alumni network. What types of additional programming do they provide or offer for alumni um, after they, they've uh, physically left uh, the university? Is where mm-hmm. they, they live. You, you never actually leave the university. It's always going to be part right. of your family <laughs> and, and no, home. For sure, and for sure. Yeah, and, and so, what types of resources? And, and, and certainly, I think um, our uh, career services, our alumni association, uh, and the academic departments do a great job of maintaining those ties. No, absolutely. And I have to say, I am so impressed with how
1: accessible our alumni are. So um, a little bit of context. So the big eye opener that I got after my internship was actually that I want to pursue law school. Okay. so that was a pretty big change for me because that's a little bit unorthodox for kind of having a computer science background. But um, I have really found the resources here with our pre-law advising, but also just engaging with alumni on a very candid basis, just sending a message on linkedin and then having you know an hour long phone call i mean has been really very illuminating for me and having that perspective and that connection is just really has been very important.
2: Well, And again, I think that all comes back to the sense of when you're looking at a, a university, instead of diving into simple things just like suburban, rural, urban, is to dive into a little bit more of what is the actual community and what does that mean there? What are the connections? What are the, the sense of, of uh, place and, and belonging at a, a place? Um, I really like how you talked about that of saying, I came in interested in computer science And you, I'm sure, enjoy that or appreciate that as an an academic field, but also saying at the same time, I'm considering a a possible professional avenue that at first glance, you might not immediately think there is overlap. But But I would say that is is something that I love about William & Mary, and I think a place like William & Mary wants to encourage is academic study, academic interest, professional interest that cuts across limited academic disciplines and that so often we want our students to be encouraged to learn and think about different fields and how they interact and what you probably will ultimately find is an individual like you who has some computer science background who then matches that with law school or legal knowledge is going to offer something that many other uh students many other individuals won't be able to do
0: yeah and i like to add a bit on that so my freshman year i actually took several education classes and while i knew i've always wanted to major in biology I also enjoyed education and teaching. I love that I was able to engage with both. Uh, This is also not a one-off thing. The School of Education has a fifth year program, uh, which is pretty cool and actually allows for students to major in anything and then do a fifth year uh, to earn a master's degree in education.
2: Absolutely, without a doubt. So I'm glad to to see you taking (laughs) advantage of that. So now I think we'd like to turn it over
1: to you if you have any kind of topics that you would like to touch on.
2: Yeah, a- absolutely. And again, I appreciate this opportunity. And, and I think there's a tendency when you, you dive into a college search to immediately start focusing on these different categories or characteristics. And I would ask all students to step back and kind of level set a little bit and think about a few fundamental ideas as you begin a college search. One, remember that the first question, the biggest priority. Whenever you're visiting a university, whenever you're considering a university, the question you should be asking yourself is not, am I good enough for this college? The question you should always be asking is, is this college good enough for me? So remember that. You are the most important driver in this process. The second thing that I would always say is to remember, you are finding, you are seeking a college that is the best fit for you not your parents, not your older sibling, not your next door neighbor, or not your best friend. Remember, this should be focused on you. Uh, you should be the one who's, who's finding the best fit for you. And then I think the, the final big one that I would say, um, it is so important for you in this process to be the driver. Students, this is a fundamental opportunity for you. You should take charge. If you don't, if you leave a vacuum there, somebody else will step in and take charge and that person is not you. So (laughs) I encourage you to be the driver in this and really use this as an opportunity for self-discovery and and growth. And that means the little things. Students, if you are going to visit or sign up for a tour, you should be the one registering for the tour. When you show (laughs) up to check in for an information session and tour, make sure you are uh, the one who's doing this own this process, and you will feel that much better about it when it concludes. That is such
1: a great point.
2: And I wish, honestly, that I had taken
1: that kind of perspective when I was thinking about colleges maybe a little bit more. Um, Because it really is just so much more empowering when you finally, you know, get to that decision process time and you kind of have your options and you're thinking about what you're going to do next. Um, I think that is just, it's so... It feels like it's yours.
2: I really want to echo what you just said. I really like how you use the word empowering in that. And when you think about this, fundamentally, the college search is less about the specific college that you land at. We all want to believe that our university is the absolute best. And, and uh, you know we'll, we'll do our best to, to make that case. But the reality is there is no one university that is best for everyone. And likewise, for most students, there are probably multiple universities or colleges. That are a great fit for you. So when you approach it from that point and you think a big part of this is empowering yourself in the process so that you are ready, so that you are prepared to make the most of the college experience when you get there, because ultimately that is the biggest goal of how are you going to flourish? How are you going to grow at that institution?
0: Yeah, so that's exactly what we're looking for. It's usually so flipped and it's not often talked about on how this is supposed to be kind of your process. Uh, It can absolutely be so empowering to forge your own opinions on where you'd fit best.
2: Absolutely. So
1: let's ask some questions that we actually received from some of our followers on WM Admission on Instagram. We asked our lovely followers yesterday and we've collected a few of them to ask you. So, Number one. Who is the
2: coolest person that you've ever met on our campus? So that is a tough question because I think there are a lot of, of cool people on this, <laughs> this campus. I will assume by default it would be illegal to answer anyone on my staff because I, I certainly think every member of the admission office would, <laughs> would rank yes. up there. So I'm going to go with, as, as I think through this, I'm actually going to go with Mike Tierney in the uh, GR, the Global Research yes. Institute, because uh, to me, uh, I, I've enjoyed, I've had a chance to work with him for years and years now and I think it, um, he is a, a great example of a professor, a faculty member who uh, you can engage in any level of conversation it, it just um, chatting about a topic from sports to uh, career aspirations um, I really like the way that he supports students and, and kind of goes out of his way to see his purpose and a lot of what he's trying to do is help students find their path and succeed here and and it seems genuine it well not seems it is genuine and uh, I've really enjoyed working with him I will also say uh, he is not alone in that and I think (laughs) plenty of other professors plenty of other uh, people on this campus who match that which is one of the the joys of of being here at William & Mary
0: that's awesome so another question we kind of want to ask is what is your favorite spot on campus
2: so I will give probably one that is a little bit of cliched, but I think there's multiple reasons for that. And of course, that would be the Wren building. Oh, a fan um, favorite. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And so I, I do realize that in some ways it, it might not be an obscure answer, or a cop out, um, but I think it is fundamental. Um, obviously, the, the Wren building is, is being the centerpiece of, of William & Mary throughout, throughout our existence. I think what's somewhat unique about R- the Wren building for us compared to some historical buildings and facilities elsewhere, it is still a very active, very integral part of the campus community. And I think that's why it's so important. Um, I never tire of walking across campus and walking by the Ren building. I I never get tired of, nor do I ever fail to be uh, in awe of it. And I mm-hmm. think anytime you walk by it, you're just inspired and you just immediately think of, all of the ways that students have come through that building, um, all of the events, all of the the fundamental components of the William Mary experience that that still take place there, and it is something that is been a consistent part through generations of uh, William and Mary. I will say on a, on a personal note, also, I, I did actually propose to my wife in front oh, of no the, the right oh, building, no uh, so that is actually from a, a personal mm. standpoint has some some added area of uh, or a component of significance there too. That's awesome. That is a very cool story.
1: So um, I know you travel a lot for your job and visit schools, maybe on occasion. So of the schools that you've visited, what has been the favorite mascot that
2: you've seen? So that's I um, my initial thought there was in terms of the uh, college uh, mascots. Uh, And and that's immediately what you think of. And actually, I'm from being originally from California. They have some great college, uh, mascots. Absolutely, yes. Uh, so, um, I, I will say, uh, I'll, I'll start with that first. So I, I can't just answer with one, but I, I always loved, uh, the Whittier poets. So oh, Whittier college, yes, they yes. are the Whittier poets. And then I think a, a fan favorite out in California area will always be, uh, UC Santa Cruz the banana slugs I mean that, that is hard to, to top that so I, I give kudos to universities for coming up with um, you know unique uh, fun uh, mascots if you will on the high school level let me mention two and, and I think this is sort of just um, uh, signifies a little bit on the high school I love when um, a, a high school is able to have something that's kind of unique to its locale mm-hmm. or uh, something different and, and um, uh, so one actually just down the road, Hampton High School, the Hampton Crabbers, uh, which I, I think actually, you know, certainly reflects part of the history, part of the, the region there. So you Absolutely, always have to yeah. admire that. Um, I have always liked also um, Annandale High School, the Adams. I always mm-hmm. love it too, when you're able to, to find a kind of a very unique one there, but I could go on and on about that. It's a, a lot of, uh, and you've seen when I've, I've talked to students, I always love when they say they're high school and I actually remember what the mascot <laughs> is and, and able to, to say that. I think it's one of those things that's just unifying that um in in any space or time you can connect with someone and and rally around that mascot
0: no it definitely sticks with you that's so funny um so another question we had for you uh, is, what made you want to become Dean of Admissions?
2: So I don't think anyone ever grows up saying, someday <laughs> I dream of being a, a, a Dean of Admission. It's it's just not one of those jobs. And, and per some of our earlier discussions, there are so many careers and opportunities out there that you have no idea really exist right. as a high school student mm-hmm. or you don't think about. Um, for me, I, I, th- I think it was a, a long path. Um, while in college, I was very involved with things such as being a tour guide or or working with the orientation program. And it was at that point that I learned to realize, oh, you can actually do this as a career, uh, that I really <laughs> enjoyed uh, working with students and families during this kind of transition time. I, I found um, value in that. Uh, so I um, pursued uh, both graduate work and ultimately ended up um, working in the admission office. I didn't necessarily think I was going to stay in admission per se uh, for my entire career. enjoyed being part of the higher ed experience. But as I became more involved in that, I really, really enjoyed the the profession. Um, I think in my role now and kind of why I stayed in it and, you know, moved along to the, the position I play is really does provide this incredible balance on any given day. I can be working with and helping individual students as they're thinking about what they want to do. At the same time, on any given day, I'm working with and helping my staff and my um, colleagues and, and the opportunity to support them and their goals is, is fundamentally value. And then the third piece is uh, the work that that I do certainly um not alone, but basically with the help of everybody out there, is focused on also charting the course of this university. So the fact that you can wake up in any given day and say, I can make a difference in an individual's life and I can make a difference in an institution's future, um, that's an incredible privilege to, to have uh, every day. And I appreciate that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming and speaking with us today, uh, Dean Wolf. It has been lovely having this conversation. Thank you again for your time.
2: My pleasure. Yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed it, and I appreciate that you all are putting this together. I'm looking forward to seeing it um, take place. Awesome. Yeah, thank to come? you so
1: much. Thank you.
2: Thank
0: you.
1: Brick by Brick with Drew and Henry. The William & Mary Undergraduate Admission Podcast is produced by Drew Kittridge and Henry Millar in the Reader Media Center's podcasting Studio.